You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're continuing our series on the 12 Days of Christmas hymns. And uh, for this Christmas Day, today we have the privilege of speaking with Matt Mackamer. He's the Associate Cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Matt, thanks so much for being our guest here on the 12 Days of Christmas. Great to be here. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to discuss, uh, we get to uh, go over a great Christmas hymn today. We're going to take a look at We Praise You, Jesus, at Your Birth. If you're using Lutheran Service Book, this is 382 in Lutheran Service Book. So tell us, uh, let's start with who wrote this hymn. Tell us what you know about who wrote this hymn. Well, uh, you know, that it, that's kind of a convoluted answer, <laughs> really. Um, the short answer and the one I think that people are happiest with is Martin Luther. Um, the hymn originally, uh, is a little bit older than Luther. Um, it has its origins, um, as a Latin text, actually a sequence for Christmas, a Latin chant for Christmas, um, that shows up as early as 1030 or so. Um, and in Luther's time, it was sung in German by the people uh, in the service, one of the few opportunities they had to sing in the service. But there was only one German verse, only one German stanza for the hymn. So Luther came around and, as he did with many other hymns, expanded it um, into the seven stanzas that we have today and really does a fabulous job of kind of unpacking the theology of of Christmas, what it means that God became man and all of these wonderful things. So you mentioned that this is a sequence and I know what this is from <laughs> reading extensively in the Lutheran service book uh, companion to the hymnal, <laughs> but for the, the people who don't read these things or, or may not have heard of this before, what is a sequence in the liturgy? That That's a really good question. Um, a, a sequence is kind of uh, an extended chant um, that was very common in the medieval church um, that commented and expounded the gospel reading for the day. Um, as musicians began to experiment more musically and doing new things, a lot of times they would take portions of the Alleluia and kind of chop it off musically and extend it into its own composition. And these things eventually became sequences. Um, kind of in the later Middle Ages, there were so many sequences. I mean, I don't know how many there were, but I want to say like over a thousand of them. Just everyone was writing sequences. You know, it's like writing pop songs. Everybody was doing it. Um, and so there were a lot of these, a lot of these around in the late Middle Ages. But some of them really, really um, kind of dug their way into the hearts of the people. Um, this particular one is an example of that. Another really good example of that is hymn 460 in LSB, which is Christians to the Paschal Victim. I'm sorry. Yes, 460. That's yeah. mm -hmm. um, that. That's one of um, the surviving sequences from the Reformation time too. That still has its its place in our book. So that's that's a short uh, explanation of maybe where those things came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really cool part of our uh, historic liturgy that we still get to sing today, and understanding how that all fits in with with the Reformation and our hymnody. It's I think it's pretty cool. Uh, tell us more about uh, the text of this hymn. It's 
a very beautiful text. And, and like I alluded to before, it unpacks the reality of the incarnation in really vivid, wonderful terms. Um, I too was consulting my new companion to the hymns, volume one, available from CPH now. Uh, and uh, it was very helpful. One thing they pointed out, which I had not realized before I, I was reading on this a bit, is that the poetry itself is kind of chiastic. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with that term, it's okay. I was too. And then I started working at the seminary and, and people <laughs> will use these large words and I learned what they mean. But it means that the stanzas of the hymn are kind of a mirror of one another. So stanzas one and stanza seven are related to one another. Stanzas two and six are related to one another. Three and five are related to one another. And stanza four is in there by itself as kind of the center of the message. Um, and so writing in such a way like this kind of points you towards the middle as the main point or, or um, the focus of really what you're pushing for. So um, if we move from the middle out, stanza four is when we're talking about the light eternal, Jesus Christ himself, very God, breaking through into our world, and changing us from children of darkness into children of light. His beams have pierced the core of night. He makes us children of the light. Because of his incarnation, he has reconciled us back to God. Um, so really beautiful stuff. Um, and, and moving out from there, you've got stanzas three and five. Stanza three talks about the infant on Mary's lap. Uh, stanza five, the son who comes in earthly time. So you have this kind of fleshly talk. Um, if you back out a little further, stanza two talks about the son of God clothed in flesh and bone. He comes as one who's very lowly. Stanza six picks up on that same idea and is related to it. In poverty, he comes to earth, showing mercy by his birth. And then stanzas one and seven also related to one another. Um, stanza one talking about the joy of the angels. Um, all the angels sing for joy, alleluia, and stanza seven talking about our joy as Christians. Therefore, all Christendom rejoice and sing his praise with endless voice. Um, so it, it's kind of a circular structure where you start on the outside and you go in deeper and deeper, and then you get to the center and then you come back out again, revisiting all those thoughts you had in the first three stanzas, but seeing them anew in light of the fourth stanza, in light of the fact that Christ has come to earth and changed our darkness into light by his incarnation. Hmm. I learned something new today. It's fascinating. It is. Isn't that great? It's, it's just the best. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> so moving on from the text to the tune, anything unique about this tune or anything that you like about the tune for this hymn? I, this tune has really grown on me the last several years. I like it a lot. Um, again, not unlike the text, it goes back and draws from this older Latin sequence. And the tune is kind of a reduction, a simplified version of the melody that would have been sung uh, hundreds of years before Luther got his hands on it. Um, but... It's a nice, nice tune. It's very easy to sing. It's it's short and kind of jumpy almost in a way. 
Um, so again, we don't have the original composer of the tune anywhere. It kind of develops out of the liturgy like all of these other things do. But Luther takes it, shortens it a little bit. It first appears in a hymnal in 1524, which is just the very beginning of Luther's kind of hymnal publication projects. Um, his first books were coming out right about that time. Um, but one of the things that he does, and we retain that today in the English, is that you have just one pitch per syllable. So it's a very syllabic melody, which makes it very easy to sing. Um, and another kind of holdover from its first kind of genesis as a Latin uh, chant tone or chant sequence is this Alleluia at the end. Uh, this tune would have been what was called a Liza or a Lysen um, in the German medieval church, where you have these versified chants that are sung and typically sung by the priest and or the people. And the people would certainly join in at the end singing, Lord have mercy, Kyrie eleison, which kind of got shortened to Kyrie eleison or even eleison. And so that became known as kind of a Lysen melody. It would always end with the Lord have mercy. On this hymn, we're not ending with Lord have mercy. We're ending with Alleluia. But that was actually changed into that as the hymn was extended and new verses were added. So you have this kind of tag ending, this Alleluia ending, which is pretty typical of some of these sequences. They'd always have an Alleluia or a Kyrie eleison at the end as kind of a coda to each verse. And so that's, that's one of the unique things about this tune. And I, I'm blanking right now, but there are other melodies um, in the hymnal which feature that too. Actually, I think I'm getting one. I'm getting a message here from my subconscious. Uh, to God, the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Uh, yes. Yep. That's an example of another Lysen melody. Lord, have mercy. Comes at the end of every stanza. Um, so... But the tune itself is is really quite lovely, and it still retains some elements of that um, kind of modal chant melody. But it, it's very memorable. It's short. It's syllabic. It's easy to sing and, and very distinctive. Mm -hmm. That's a fun one, a fun one to sing. What do you, is there anything that you enjoy about, about this combination of text and tune that really stands out for you? Yeah, I think it's it's a as with many of the hymns in the book, and it's one of the reasons the these older hymns have lasted for so long. They're so well written, and it's an excellent marriage of text and tune. Um, you can tell that this text is a little older. Um, I think for a few reasons, it has a lot um, of this language of light and dark. It has a lot of. Um, unpacking of what the incarnation means. There's not a ton of subjective language in it. It's more kind of espousing these really deep theological concepts and unpacking for us what the incarnation really means. And, and if you look at it, some of this stuff is, is very difficult to get your mind around in a way. Like if think about stanza three, the Virgin Mary's lullaby calms the infant Lord uh, most high. Upon her lap, content is he who keeps the earth and sky and sea. Um, so 
there's there's a lot of really deep things that are happening here, and it's combined with this lovely short, um, memorable tune, and it's this great paradox of of some of the most deep mysteries we could possibly grapple with as Christians, sung in this short, memorable, simple way. And those are characteristics, I think, of some of the older hymns of our church. Um, and this one is no exception. It's an excellent marriage of, of the music to this really deep text. Is there a specific service in the time of Christmas for which you might select this hymn? Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's suggested as the hymn of the day for Christmas Day. Um, so obviously that's an excellent place to put it. I would say, uh, for me, it would probably be a hymn I would sing near the beginning of the 12 days of Christmas, when you're still right there at the manger, before you begin to hear some of the other readings that are happening around the time of the Incarnation. Um, you know, I think specifically, like, think about the reading of the Holy Innocence with Herod and the baby boys in Bethlehem. By that point, we're a little bit removed now from the birth. We're a little removed from the stable and the manger. Um, and this hymn kind of puts you right in that moment when Christ appears as a little baby and what that means for us. And so you certainly can sing it on Christmas Day and you can sing it throughout the season of Christmas. But I think it fits very, very well in those first first few days of Christmas, especially. Well, great. This has been uh, fun just learning about this hymn. Anything else that you want us to know about We Praise You, Jesus, at Your Birth as we wrap up our time together today, Matt? Oh, I think, I think we got most of it. Oh, right. Well, I should say that. That's very, that's very kind of arrogant. How can you ever get it all? Um, <laughs> but there's, a, there's enough to digest for one day, I think. Well, I certainly have enjoyed the conversation learning more about this hymn. We praise you, Jesus, at your birth. Our guest today, Matt Machmer, Associate Cantor, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thanks for being our guest during these 12 days of Christmas. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs> <laughs>